This week's edition, this week's special edition, right? This we're considering this yeah. our one year yeah. anniversary. Welcome to this week's special edition. Our one year anniversary. Our yeah. non-literal, yeah. approximate one year anniversary um, episode of For the Love of the Frame. My name is Tim, and sitting to my left, the man who's convinced there is a rat everywhere, Ian. <laughs> There just is. <laughs> He's always Why? looking under our hats. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think all this bad stuff is always happening? <laughs> dang rats. Did you ever get like abducted by rats and thrown in a food cooler? <laughs> Not that I remember. Yeah. But I could have blocked it out. I think that probably happened that yeah. way. Yeah. Also with us is the man who fears no rats. Confident. Doesn't need to look for him everywhere. Aaron. I wish that were true. Rats are actually <laughs> one of the animals that like, I'm, I'm going to uh, probably embarrass myself if you see me around a rat. I think there is something about living in New York City. Like yeah. rats, they just are part of the landscape. And yeah. uh, I remember this one apartment I lived at, it was like the fattest rat I've ever seen. <laughs> And it would like, it hung out right around this one particular dumpster and like after like 11 at night and it almost got to be like a neighbor's dog yeah, where like you just kind of pass it. by yeah. and you'd be like, oh, you know, there's, there's, you know, Fido or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, he was chill. Like <laughs> he wasn't afraid of me at all. And I just wouldn't threaten, you know, we just, we kind of had a, a mutual respect relationship. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of how it goes. Did you ever feed him? No, he didn't need did my you, help. Did Believe you me. ever in, invite him into no. your pantry? No, I mean it was it, it was a a massive rat. Oh, like you almost didn't think it could be a rat. Like and God, I mean New York City it probably was some yeah. Amazon endangered species animal that got out of some yeah. crate somewhere. I don't know. But uh, do you want to turn off the AC? I just realized that, that was still on. Is this hurting our? <laughs> Cut. <laughs> we need some little filler music. Yeah. Technical I thought you were the co-producer, Ian. Your uh, job's to come yeah. and, and that was, co-produce. That was Parker's job. And you, make sure. My, my, part of the, my part of the co-producing was turning the AC on so they got cold. <laughs> and then I was waiting for Parker to come in and turn it off. There's oh, something see, weird. Okay, yeah, I failed the IQ test. It might not even, I don't even know if you can hear it, honestly, but... <laughs> This is what happens when you have weeks between your recording. Yeah. I just yeah. like to involve people. Yeah. In the, we're all a, a step we've, off. We've yeah. lost our edge. Yeah. It's not a good sign for our one year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the perfect encapsulation yeah. Yeah. of the train wreck of a year yeah. it has been in podcasting movies. We're back where we started. We're back where we started. <laughs> the idea anyway was... Um, to do a movie that maybe, um, you know, our adoring fans have been demanding for the better part of a year. And we decided, if nothing else, we're a podcast of the people. And we could give the people what they want. Yep. And the people want Ratatouille. And by people, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> really, we're just a podcast for ourselves. <laughs> I feel like in some ways this podcast came about because... I reference Ratatouille so much in like either sermons or like small group discussions. I can like find a Ratatouille illustration for like anything. 
And I feel like that's kind of all of this is downstream of, of that. Yeah, so I think that's true. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I'm gearing, I, I was, you weren't here yet, Aaron. I, I was talking to Ian. I don't know how much to divulge in this podcast because <laughs> I have a, a long Ratatouille like uh, illustration geared up for a couple of weeks. And so oh, I don't know, maybe it's a sneak preview. Maybe not. I don't know. You'll I'll just decide. have to listen to we'll find have out. To listen to find out. Yeah. <laughs> That's called good podcasting right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to kick it in the gear eventually. <laughs> Anyone who's stuck around this long, my, my hat's off to you. Um, there's a rat underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I knew there was a joke in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> um, this is one of those movies uh, that feels like it's been around longer. I mean, we were just saying it, it's been 16 years. This came out in 2007. Uh, I guess I usually say this stuff. Um, written and directed by Brad Bird. And when I say written and directed, um, he kind of ripped it off from another guy. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I was reading that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Jan Pinkova. Um, he's the one who created the, he, he was also a Pixar employee. I, I did a little reading on this. He, he was a Pixar employee. He was developing this. Brad Bird was doing, um, I don't remember. but one of the, the Incredibles, maybe he that the might've been that, I but one of the other remember. ones that okay, was before. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the, the Pavinka version of Ratatouille wasn't getting traction. So they just said, okay. <laughs> You're, uh, you know, you topped out at double A. We're going to bring in the, the MLB closer here. And Brad Bird took it over. And I think he made Gusto a ghost and kind of reworked some of the characters and, and some of the pacing and, you know, just probably what he's good at. Um, so when I say he wrote and directed it, yeah, you know, he, he kind of. <laughs> he punched it up. Yeah, he <laughs> punched it up. Um, but Brad Bird's a, a legend in his own right. Like he, he doesn't need to, you know. Anyway. Um, this movie did win uh, the Best Animated Feature Oscar. I think we mentioned that uh, that 2007 year. Yeah, it's a good uh, year. We were recently talking about that. Good year. Um, for a Pixar movie or kind of a quote-unquote kids movie, it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, um, mm. whether it was Brad Bird or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't go and check that. Um, <clears throat> did not win... And it was also nominated for some of the tech categories, uh, original score, sound mixing, and sound editing. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was somewhat decorated. I think appreciated in its own time, um, but I think it's also aged well. I think it's still held in high esteem. Um, Pixar is, what, 20 or so movies in, 2025? 20, I, I have no idea. Honestly. I stopped counting, but yeah. about that, right? Give or take. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> If it's not, Why then, not? Uh, you know, just uh, keep, it, keep it to yourself. Yeah, we yeah. can say whatever we want. <laughs> we can say whatever we want. <laughs> We're known for our utmost levels of preparation. Yeah. <laughs> and research. And research. <laughs> so, yeah, well, when did you guys first uh, remember seeing this? I think this might be a tricky question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Because I must have seen it around whenever it came out. I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but I probably saw it. I mean, just for a while, every Pixar movie that came out, I feel like I yeah. would see it within a year or two. Yeah. yeah. So I think I saw it pretty uh, pretty soon after it came out, but I, did, I really don't remember. I mean, yeah, I think my 
biggest memories of the movie are just you talking about it so much. <laughs> you know what? But then I'll take that. We did. I think yeah. we watched it together. I want to say we probably we probably did, right? I think probably so. a few years ago, and um, yeah. So that's probably my biggest tie to it. Yes. I'll always think of you, Tim, whenever I watch this movie. I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I think that'll probably be like etched on my gravestone. Like, yeah. Lover of Ratatouille. <laughs> yeah. This was the subject of that epic when COVID first hit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we had that yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We're trying to like do yeah. like a film and theology Facebook yeah. thing. Uh-huh. and. I just remember it was you, me, and your sister. Yeah, I got my sister in on it. Writing yeah. hundreds. I, I think <laughs> yeah. I wrote like a thousand word yeah. like Facebook post analyzing this. <laughs> that was definitely the longest Facebook <laughs> post I've ever written for sure. There was a lot of time to kill during those early yeah. COVID yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what movie, if I was going to have a movie on my gravestone, I wonder <laughs> what movie it would be. Oh, you can't leave that little dangling from Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's like Honestly, seizing up. There's like 30 different jokes coming yeah, in. I was, joking. I was gonna like send you guys Junior. up. I got yeah. the hat on backwards. It's like I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Probably something good. <laughs> Probably something good. I thought you were gonna say million dollar baby, Tim. <laughs> I'm overcome by directions. <laughs> yeah. Like part of me wants to say like like Barbie. Wow. Part of me wants to that say. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, there's so many directions. It's, it's the rare occasion where yeah. it's so much of a softball, you swing and <laughs> yeah. miss because you can't, you just want to crush it. That's what I was thinking. It's the guy missing the wide open layup because yeah. it's just too, <laughs> it's like this can't it's like be the pitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you guys can think about Ian's, it. Ian's, yeah. <laughs> I'll think about mine too. <laughs> All right. Um, see, 2007, I had a six-year-old and... So you saw it 15 times in the theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Pixar, what you were saying, had definitely become that for us where anytime a Pixar movie came out, I was taking my kid to see it. And I was telling you guys earlier that I don't remember thinking this at the time, but I recently rewatched it uh, for this with my youngest And it really struck me how much of an adult movie it feels like, not in like content, but like, yeah. (laughs) I miss miss that part. The version we watched. I don't know know what kind of might not have been a Pixar version. (laughs) (laughs) No, but just in terms of like tone and um, I don't even know how to describe it, but. You know, it's not, it doesn't feel like it's pandering to kids, like going for kind of cheap Yeah, where a rat's and, the main character, right. you would expect a certain amount of pandering to kids. I, I agree. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, maybe just the tone or vibe of, of the movie. Um, it feels like it's, it's worked for adults. Mm-hmm. And um, I can see kids liking it. You know, there's, there's fun parts, but um, I watch it with my youngest and... Um, I could tell he was engaging with it on in a way that he does with kind of like adult movies, you know, not <laughs> now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Grown up movies. I can't, I can't. <laughs> Sorry. And I'll just leave it at that. They really should have like a different word. Yeah, you can go we to. need it. Yeah. Like, you got fail. There was a failure along the way, <laughs> and we're all suffering because of that. 
It's not a children's movie. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> the the unkid movie. You're saying it's not for kids. <laughs> I just, there's just, there's a lot of weird stuff on the internet, but I just is there like radical? Don't, like, don't search it. <laughs> don't search it. <laughs> I just. Oh man. Better not to know. Yeah. Better not to know. Of all the different paths I thought this podcast would <laughs> yeah. go down, this is not well, what I was ready for. Man. It was a good year, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess I guess this is probably over at this point. We might, yeah. we might not get it. We had a, a good run and should probably just pack it up. Yeah, I actually don't for a movie um hold so dear, um, I don't remember uh, 2007. I didn't have kids. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't remember seeing it in the theater. Um, I kind of doubt I did. And I remember liking it at first. It did, I didn't come to revere it the way I do now. Yeah, I was, was definitely later. That was not a mm-hmm. first time. And I think I kind of grew into you know just what this podcast is about. Like it's a process of learning how to see movies um, for what they are and then like through this this gospel lens um, and be able to, to pull themes out, all that kind of stuff. Um, so 2007 was definitely, even if I had started that journey yet back in back then. So definitely wasn't a immediate thing. I think I liked it the way everyone likes this movie. For the, it's very well regarded mm-hmm. um, just on its own merits. But I think as I grew uh, that film and theology side, this movie just, I came to appreciate it more and more and more and more. And so, you know, certainly by the the early 2010s, this was pretty high up on my list. And I've only, every time I watch it now, I, I am an absolute, like, I think last podcast we were talking about like favorite scenes, like mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, we were talking yeah. about like in large, in large you know, yeah. certain ones mm-hmm. that are like all timer scenes. Yeah. The, the ant and ego, yeah. I'm when he's like going that, and yeah. he taught, like that is a, yeah. a an all time echelon. Yeah, like in his monologue, yeah. or I guess his <laughs> column that he writes at the end, but he's monologuing it is yeah. I it, I it agree. it's like a tractor beam every time, and yeah. I will stop what I'm doing, and like mm. a single solitaire tear will go down <laughs> yeah. my eye every yeah. single time, and I, I can watch it 15 days in a row, and it'll have the same effect. I just love that scene. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, it's not something, I don't remember the origin so much as mm. it's the destination for me on this one. So it was, it was just like a growing into it. There wasn't one time that yeah. you watched it that it really, everything came Yeah, together. this is like a weird mix of, like it came out before I had kids, but like my oldest was born in 2010. And so by that time, the mix of, like watching it just it's one of those movies you have around the house or you just mm-hmm. you know so that but then it also was a movie that would be like randomly on tv and mm. so you kind of would catch snippets here and there and then it was also the kind of movie where if you're just you know it's a friday night or something and you're looking for something to watch it's like a good enough quality that it's like yeah you know what i am mm-hmm. in the mood for it. so it's like all those different avenues were operating for this one so i think patchwork together i've probably seen it 15 times, I don't know the exact number, you know, just bits and pieces here and there, just, you know, but yeah, it's something I've definitely encountered a bunch, also because I'm drawn to it, so I'll I'll look for it, but um, I think watching it a couple weeks ago for this, I was really drawn, and it sounds odd because it's an animated movie, but like 
camera work. Mm. Like it's not just, uh, you know, I don't know where it's just like animated and like a straightforward, like they really do do some creative, like the camera moves and mm. there's ways where it's like from the rat's perspective and it plays with mm. perspective that way. Um, the scene I'm thinking about is when Remy first goes to the kitchen and there's the scene where he keeps like almost getting killed basically. Yeah, he's like running around. <laughs> and he's trying yeah. to, he, he gets drawn in, he's trying to escape, but like he's in the oven, he's mm. under the, the cloche mm-hmm. and he's, you know, goes out on the, the little dessert table and go, and the way the camera, like mm. it's animated. I, I get that. So even saying camera or, but it almost has that same effect of like a, a lengthy, complicated one shot, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, a see, like a tracking yeah. shot, yeah. Yeah. which it doesn't have to be that. It, and I think that's part of what you're saying, Aaron, when you're saying it feels more adult, like mm-hmm. there's some more, I think, complex mm. angles and the, the, the camera work or the storytelling with that, yeah. I think is more sophisticated than mm. your typical animated or, or mm. kind of quote unquote kids movie. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe tracks a little bit. Yeah, I think so. That's definitely a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably true. I'm trying to think of like all the animated movies I've seen, and most of them are just kind of framed shots, right? Because you have total control, right? right. And so you you don't have to worry about blocking or all the you know mm-hmm. the kind of annoyances. Or, but I also think it doesn't bring out as much creativity. Yeah, <laughs> the way like live action tends to do. Mm-hmm. And so mm, I just really appreciated, yeah. yeah, maybe next time you watch it, look for it. Because yeah. it's, mm. they definitely make some choices that show that it's trying, it's aiming at a higher level. Mm. Um, and I think some of the realism, which is an odd thing to say about a movie about a rat that cooks. <laughs> um, but I do, I, I think they really strive. Um, I was just even reading some of it, like, when um, when Linguini like jumps in the water because he accidentally throws Remy in the bot when he's got him trapped in the mm-hmm. the, the, the the jar, mm-hmm. they actually like dumped water on someone with like a chef outfit mm-hmm. just to see how it like dripped off because <laughs> they wanted to animate it right mm-hmm. like stuff like that. But the the real interesting thing because part of my love for this movie is what I feel are some deep themes, especially as it relates to the gospel. But the other part is like, I love to cook in this movie. Yeah, it's like, it's, thinking, it's that yeah. hand in glove. Mm-hmm. The food side of this movie mm. is amazing. Like truly the, the, the small details, like, like the way they, they cook with brass at this like high end, mm-hmm. like that's high end cookery is brass. Uh, the way the kitchen's set up, like when, when they go through, you know, the, the chef, the sous chef, the chef de cuisine, just all the different, like, layouts of, like, mm-hmm. oh, the French kitchen with the clay. Like, the, um, um, Colette has a, uh, yeah, a pink that. bird, and yeah. that's, uh, they call it, like, a, like, an oven, like, when you're opening in a hot oven, like, almost every chef will have a burn mm. on that part, because eventually mm-hmm. you just, you come up against the hot thing, and, you know, the way she treat, teaches them how to, you know, sleeves clean, station mm-hmm. clean, like, they're all, like, very... Um, I was actually seeing a, Anthony Bourdain said this is his yeah, favorite I I that, uh, yeah. food movie mm. because it's so like they get all those details right, which again for a kids movie completely unnecessary. Yeah, mm. but it shows that they're aiming for something mm-hmm. higher. Yeah, and it makes it better. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you definitely get immersed, and it is interesting too. There's something about kitchens that 
I feel like are really engaging or just like, it's really easy to get drawn into. Like I was thinking, I mean like Anthony Bourdain, just his whole kitchen confidential mm-hmm. that just blew up. Right. Um, and I feel like ever, maybe ever since then it's like, I mean, even the bear like that came out pretty recently and that's, I, I love that show. It's so good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like there is something about kitchens where if you do it right and you can capture that energy and like the frantic, Mm -hmm. like efficiency of a kitchen, then there's something really interesting and exciting about that to an audience, which is really funny because it feels so commonplace, but then it also feels like this kind of underground world as -hmm. well. Cause like as a normal person, unless you're in that industry, like you pretty much never see a kitchen or what it's like, but there's, you know, you know, all that stuff is happening behind closed doors, like everywhere that you go. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's just an interesting theme that I feel like when done well, it, it really shines. Like it's really interesting. People like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the cast of characters, cause kitchens are in some <laughs> ways like the ultimate meritocracy. Yeah. Like it really is. A, they don't matter. It doesn't matter what you look like or what you believe. It matters that can you cook and can you cook fast and can mm. we depend on you? Because if one link mm. in that chain is slow or incompetent, it gums mm. up the entire service. And so they, it, it really is. You know, I mean, Anthony Bourdain in his books makes that like really fleshes that out. And you see a slice of that mm. in this movie with the cast of characters right. and they're all a little, <laughs> little off and they got shady. their own little shady <laughs> stories. But like, that's how it right. is more often than not. And you see, you know, Colette, you know, being one of the few women and just the, the mm. ship she has on, like that's also like the way, you know, kitchens, you know, historically, certainly since 2007. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it really is like, it's, it's, taking food seriously it's taking what it's trying to depict seriously even while the heart of it is a rat that can cook by pulling a guy's <laughs> hair you know <laughs> and so it's I, I love that they didn't bail out on that you know yeah. because they could have just made yeah. a cute movie right. and enough adults would have like your expectations aren't no. you know but they managed to fuse whimsical with you know, almost fairy tale but like with like a real just groundedness in, in reality. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking while I was watching it. I mean, the human elements are, they're just very real and they're very mm-hmm. present. Like with all the characters, like you have Linguini and he kind of goes through this arc of being like just really bumbling, but then he starts to find success through Remy. And then, and then he like gets arrogant and he starts getting things that he wants. And so mm-hmm. then he like kind of loses that and forgets where he comes from. And then you have like the, the chef who took over from Gusto. Is that Skinner? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Skinner. So you have Skinner uh, and just like his, I mean, he's probably one of the more ridiculous <laughs> characters. Uh, he's pretty funny though, but he, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like fun to watch, but even just the way that he like is trying to take things over and, but he actually is like, he's good at what he does in some ways. And he has kind of nefarious, uh, motives of like using Gusto's name with all the frozen food. But at the same time, like he, he is a chef and he does want to do things well, at least to some degree. But then you see just like the greed side and kind of this way that he's, trying to get the the restaurant to be his. Um, it's an it, interesting, and believe me, I've overthought every aspect <laughs> of this movie, but the what Skinner's doing with Gusteau is, 
essentially like a Chef Boyardee. They're, right. they're kind of winking at yeah. Chef Boyardee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chef Boyardee say, was... I think they say that. They do. Oh, yeah, because... Uh, Anton. Anton, yeah. Ego mentions yeah. him, yeah. And, like, the real chef was Boyardee, who was, like, an Italian chef yeah. and, like, a very acclaimed and, and you know, it, but he went and did that. And one of the... There's, there's a ton of themes in this movie. It's, like, what you're describing, like... And a lot of them are cliched, but the right. way they're layered in this movie makes it... I don't know, it gives it depth, I guess, mm. but one of them is like this elitist versus, you know, for the man, like, so Gusto is like, anyone can cook and he's very open, very trying to be like, as long as you love food, there's a place for you. Mm. Um, and then you have ego on the other end, who is sort of this picture of elitism. Um, and I, I want to tread carefully. Cause I know that's, that's Ian's patron <laughs> saying. Yeah, that's like, Ian, Ian's just got a, my favorite a, character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that little picture yeah, of ego. Yeah. <laughs> in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, it's almost Anton Ian. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it almost invite. Like, I, I don't want, again, I don't want to overthink it or over, like, stretch it out of what it, it's intended, but it is an interesting, we don't like the crass commercialism, right? I don't think the movie's in favor of that. I don't mm. think most people are like, yay, you know, just putting a, you know, the, the sombrero <laughs> yeah. and the, the mustache yeah. and, you know, the, you know, whatever on to make it like burritos. Like that's everything that's like American, I guess. Yeah. So it's just everything yeah. wrong, right? Like, like nobody yeah. likes that, but mm. a little bit, you know, you dial it back a little bit, you know, the, the desire to, to not be elite or, or to be like reclusive, to use elitism as reclusiveness mm-hmm. or like to use food as a way to separate mm. that only yeah. the, the high-minded can appreciate, like, I don't know, there, there's something, it's not in this, the, because I don't think there's a debate there, that's that's not attractive, but right. it's, I'm not quite ready to, to do a full defense of Skinner, because <laughs> I think he is just cashing out, but there is something to, with a few slight tweaks, you could say that Skinner is trying to carry through Gusto's vision of trying to bring yeah. good food to the masses. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just maybe not exactly that way. Yeah, food is... It's a fascinating art form because it does have that craft and that mm-hmm. um, imagination and beauty, but it's also like everyone cooks. Yeah. Like, and pretty much like any family has someone who, who cooks regularly and there is like those same elements are happening, like kind of in, in a lot of homes regularly, you know, this, the kind of creativity, the imagination, I got to put something together. Um, I have an aunt, we were talking about going to her house for Thanksgiving and the way that she can like take the leftovers from like the previous meal and then spin it into like, Mm. like a whole other meal that's like, you're like, this is amazing too. Like, how did you do this? Like, there's just all these different forms of creativity and it's, it is, there's something that's very attractive about that um, as an art. And then you get to eat it. Like you get to have like, it's not just like, oh, I go look at a strange thing in a museum and maybe it makes me think and maybe it doesn't, maybe it sparks something in me. Maybe it doesn't like food. It's like, I get to eat it. And then mm-hmm. the, the scene with the, you know, right. we we're talking about with the kind of burst going off for, uh, is it Emil and uh, Remy? Mm-hmm. When Remy's trying to teach Emil about food, uh, you can have those experiences where even if you can't explain what's happening, you're like, this is amazing. This is delicious. Like, 
I might not be able to identify all these flavors, but this is different. This was something like special that I just ate. And so it's, food just walks that line of everything that's beautiful about art, but also being incredibly accessible. And it's kind of like this movie that like we're Mm -hmm. saying, kind of walking that adult in that children's world, walking that line. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's doing a similar thing. And I think that's part of the appeal of it, the movie and food. Yeah, it's almost like that's Remy's plea because you have this early in the movie, Emil, his brother, is just like eating garbage. <laughs> he just doesn't care. And he's this big fat rat and he just <laughs> wants to eat and he wants to satisfy the hunger pains or right. whatever. And you have Remy who, who right, is very conscious of flavor and combinations and is trying to elevate Emil's appreciation and... and that's kind of that pure way. He's not trying to be arrogant or condescending. He's trying to say like, there's a way to enjoy this like, meal. Like, like if you just stop and think and, and just savor, like slow down, like there's some real interesting things if you'll just stop and appreciate it. Um, and you know, a meal's a meal, but like his, his dad, Django is just food is fuel. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's just production. We've got to do this. And food is a necessary evil almost of like, if we don't have it, we'll die. So we need it. But it's almost like a risk because it's potential for poison, right? For rats, food, you know, that's where a remedy you know, is the, the rat can poison sniffer. And like, <laughs> yeah. So it's not about food as beauty or food as art or food in any kind of subjective way. Mm. It's that Remy's gift is to keep them safe by smelling poison and the rest of it's just a distraction. And so it sets up, there's a lot of conflicts the movie sets up mm. in that classic misunderstood son with kind mm. of overbearing dad and, and that, you know, wanting different things. And that's been done a million different ways, but you know, it's just interesting to see it done through this prism of, of food, um, mm. because I think what you say is right. Um, and even, you know, it's, it, it kind of points back to some of the nature and character of God, you know, like mm. he doesn't, we didn't have to be created to need food. Um, and even if we were, cause it reminds us that we're not God cause we're dependent on nutrition. It could be in a very like taste neutral way. It could be very, you know, almost like in video games where you just get a power up and you yeah. ingest it and you your power meter goes up. Like, yeah, my dog eats little dry yeah. kibbles. Like, exactly. And I'm like, how can you do that right. day after day? Like, it's so sad. And it loves it. <laughs> they just keep eating them. Like. Yeah. Yeah, right. Having flavors, having combinations in, right. in uh, like likes and dislikes, textures, you're just all the things that go into food. Like, it is one of those interesting things. It, it is very much like art where... It's very subjective, but there are some technical ways of distinguishing good from bad. You know, it's not entirely just, you know, if you want to combine like pickles and peanut butter, it's just like, that's not good food. You know, it's just some things just don't work. But chocolate and peanut butter. But chocolate and peanut butter. (laughs) Everybody loves that. Now you're cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It is really interesting. Like, because it is a subjective thing, but then there is this level of objectivity too that mm-hmm. gets brought into it. And that is what Remy is trying to bring. And I was thinking that too, that there are these spiritual implications of like, it's easy to be satisfied. Like I think Lewis has that quote of like, um, what is it? It's like, we're like, God's trying to show us this whole world. And like, we're like kids like playing with like mud basically. And where we like, it's really easy for us to just get satisfied with these really small and very transient and physical things. Whenever what God wants to show us is actually way bigger than that. 
And it, it's hard because like what Emil is doing isn't wrong, right. really. No. Like, there's nothing. It's not wrong. morally yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's not morally wrong or anything. But he is just—he's just settling in so many ways, and he's just not like flourishing the way that a rat sh- should be. <laughs> I guess that's where it breaks down a little bit. But <laughs> just the idea that that there is something better, and he could appreciate it if he wanted to, and it would make his life better and more enjoyable, but he he just doesn't. And he just doesn't, he can't click for him for some reason. I guess there's a, a time where it kind of does, but he doesn't get it the same way that Remy does. And Remy mm-hmm. isn't trying to like force it on him, like you were saying, um, but he is trying to like bring good, uh, like objectively good things into his yeah. life. And that is, I do feel like there are parallels there to what God tries to do with us. And like we do that with each other, I think in different ways, just because we're all, geared different ways. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, just to share a food story about myself. Oh, I'm ready. Well, I, it's funny because I feel like my family was never super into cooking. And so like, like we would eat the same, like it was like five meals. Like we kind of had like five meals and we'd eat them. And I mean, like not bad at all. Like I, you know, they're good stuff. Um, but it was just, it wasn't a priority in our house to like cook a lot. And I remember I went to the Antonelli's. Have you guys been there? The cheese shop? The cheese shop. Yeah. I went to Antonelli's one time with a friend and they had a gift card. They had like a hundred dollar gift card to this cheese shop. So it's basically like we could just go in there and like buy whatever we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I went in there with like a couple friends and we were, they just, they, they run you through like this whole tasting menu and they, they try like the, the softer cheeses first. And then they go to the hard cheeses because of the way the flavor is profiled and they have like prosciuttos, these super fancy prosciuttos and everything. And I remember eating some of that and I was, it was like that, like yeah. firework moment. <laughs> I, I didn't know that food could be that good. And it, it like completely changed the way that I looked at eating. Like it, it was a shift from looking at food, like pretty much purely as fuel to something that really could be enjoyed and like just this could be more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I, I really like that. Uh, like just what you were talking about mm-hmm. and how it's like, there's these two different sides of it, of it. Neither of them are wrong, but there is kind of this like higher level of, of food. Um, and I mean, it's, it's incredible that we're able to experience that. Like that's not something that everybody gets to do and especially not across time where it's like we can eat food from all over the place. And so it's like a pretty special thing that we're able to eat all these different kinds of food and like different, uh, like food from all over the world. Um, but yeah, so I just, I, in some ways I resonate with that, like, Oh, food can be better. Like, I feel like I had a very big switch in my life. Yeah. I seeing that. I do think that's true. And the movie shows that. And there's also an aspect of food that, like when Anton eats the ratatouille, mm. don't they say it's like peasant food or something? It is. Yeah. So it's not a fancy dish. It's made it's, out of rats. It's not, yeah, it's made out of rats. <laughs> and, and Who else would be eating that? But there is this like, there is this way that like, I don't know how to describe Like food, it kind of has these echoes as well that, that just connect and like my family's kind of the same way. Like we had like four or five kind of staple meals that we just consistently had. And I liked all of them. Mm. And there's one, it's like my soul food. It's, it's just, 
it's a hamburger patty with brown gravy and mashed potatoes. And my mom would make that. And it was like one of my, I mean, I ate it up. It was one of my favorite things. And, uh, you know, my wife will still make it on occasion. I, I think when she knows I need a, like a pick me up, <laughs> I see the brown gravy packet start coming out. I'm like, Oh yes. <laughs> and, it's uh, working already. Yeah. And it is it like, it feels like that moment where Anton takes the first bite of the ratatouille mm. and he just goes back to his childhood and, um, there, there is something like healing about that as well that um, it's just comforting in a way that's like, I do think is, is by design from God. Like you said, he could have just made food this bland like sustenance. It just mm-hmm. keeps us going. It's just fuel. It just keeps us going. But he gave us the ability to enjoy it, um, to connect with it, to connect over it. To, there, yeah, there's a way a that it connects people, too, yeah. like enjoying food and flavors together. And... Um, I think that's important and I think it's worth like celebrating. Like that's good. Like God gave us that. Like that's, that's just a gift. Yeah. And it's food's the great equalizer. Like everyone needs it. Um, and everyone, if it's something that you're going to do, you know, essentially every day and I know there's famines or whatever, but all that aside, for the most part, it's something you do multiple times a day. Um, and it's something that, you know, whether you're into food or not, whether you're on the Remy side of the scale or the Emil side of the scale, like you still encounter it, you still taste it. There's still, right. It could be like, that's the beauty of it. Like it could be like someone like a McDonald's Big Mac. It's just like, you know, or like yeah. you, you, weren't you the one Aaron? Didn't you go to like a, a prison and like the death row thing and they had yes. like a list of all the last meals and yes. And it's like, re- I find that stuff fascinating. It's, fascinating. it's like, yep. you could go and they kind of, within reason, let you, yeah. you know, it's, it's like their act of dignity, let you pick out your final meal. And it's just like, Whataburger, Whataburger, what, you know. And then, I read so, all of them. They were yeah, fascinating. Yeah, and it's a real, uh, because it almost doesn't matter, like, objectively speaking, like, you know, you could find some chef to make you some elevated version of a cheeseburger. But, you know, that's, because you have... There is like a, a fusion of memory and and like mm-hmm. feeling to food mm-hmm. that's unique, I, yep. I think. And I think it's part of why people bond over it. Like, he's yeah. like Jesus ate his way through ministry yeah. by sharing the dinner table with people, like like neighbors, and and just a lot of cultures do that way better than American culture. Right. Just bonding with strangers, or just you you open your table, you open your home, you share what you have to cook and, and uh, like people can be known for their signature dishes, you know, mm-hmm. and just people clamor. Like, are we describing with the, the mashed potatoes and gravy and burger thing? Um, and that's why I, I love, and I swear I could do two hours on the ant and ego ratatouille <laughs> thing, but <laughs> I, I love like ratatouille is a peasant dish. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you guys know the name, but within like food circles, uh, Thomas Keller, uh, he's the mm-hmm. one of the most famous chefs in the world. Uh, Tim Keller's brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he's the chef owner of uh, French Laundry, which like this legendary. Mm. And he was like the technical advisor. Oh, okay. And so he actually constructed the dish. Oh, cool! And oh, wow. it's ratatouille um, as the peasant dish. It, it's kind of the the vegetables are chunked up, and you see a little bit of it in the flashback when he's a little kid and he's right. lapping it it's up. It's like a bowl. Yeah, and it's, it's very chunky. Mm. And then the version, like, 
Keller literally made the dish wow. and then like workshopped it before he like turned it over to the mm. animators. That's cool. And so when you see Remy and the way he layered it, mm. like it really is this elevated expression, but like what that kind of food does best is when it takes a familiar thing, mm. elevates it to fine dining. So it's, it's like sophisticated right. in a way that if you have a developed palate, just like anything else, it's like, if you're like a great basketball player, you'd rather play at a high mm -hmm. level or just basketball is probably a dumb example, but you know, like a book, if you're a good big reader, you don't want to go back to reading Dr. Seuss. You, mm -hmm. you appreciate mm -hmm. like more developed things, even if you once upon a time loved Dr. Seuss, yeah. you know? And, and so I, I just loved how it was humble, but elevated, but it shows because ego wanted to destroy that restaurant. He even said, you've been playing without an opponent now you have an opponent and it's like mm. basically like impress me he orders perspective for crying out loud he doesn't even order a dish he orders <laughs> we're all out of perspective and we're gonna do you know and he just wanted to hate it and it's like you are expecting like okay titan versus titan harshest critic versus most talented chef he's gonna find this brand new flavor combination he's gonna completely knock him out of mm. the park. He's going to do something creative and new and inventive. And he does that. And it's not, a, it shows that it's not about what's new or about necessarily the new connection. It's about, it humbled ego. It brought him back to his roots. It made him feel like a kid yeah. who skinned his knee and came in and his mom who loved him mm. made him this very simple dish. And it's just, and I love the, the visual depiction of it. It just, mm. it, it brings him right mm. back the way yeah. a good meal does. And that's what's so cool is like, because the ordinary ways of cooking, it's serving one another. If you really want to mm -hmm. say what it is, like if yeah. your mom's the one that did the cooking, your mom's serving you each right. and every day, probably not being thankful for it. Certainly right. not when you're a little kid, you take it for granted. It's just mm -hmm. what mom does. Or you just take for granted that, that food shows up. You, you don't appreciate the effort in, in doing mm -hmm. all that. Um, and it did, it just, it brought him back to that place where he was vulnerable and he needed something and his mom was there to love him and take care of him. And like Ratatouille was just sort of what fused all that together. And it just, it, it brought him, it brought perspective, which is exactly what he ordered. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's not the way he did. And I guess to maybe just to keep rolling, <laughs> but anyway, we were just talking about this, like how the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed and mm. the kingdom of God is like yeast. Like you expect like Jesus to come in and just start crushing everything, all the sin, all the bad, all the ways we got it wrong, all the ways we're confused and just to drop truth bomb after truth bomb. And that's not how he came. He came as a servant. He came to suffer, right? And then you would think that like, okay, well, the church, the Holy Spirit, like we're right. We're going to do it. Just lay waste to all the lies. Lay waste. Just why can't you just be like, just be obvious and make everyone have no choice but to acknowledge that this is the only thing, right? And it's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> we're going to go the way of being misunderstood and persecuted and, and character that's formed in like this massive amount of mundane, ordinary, completely non-remarkable everyday little evidences of grace, little tiny tastes of maturity and knit that among millions of people over, you know, centuries, that's the kingdom of God. And it's going to mm. slowly transform human history as we know it, you know, it's counterintuitive and that dish is counterintuitive. It doesn't do power against power. It doesn't, you know, try to say, impress me. Okay. I'm going to impress you. It's subversive mm. and it's, 
it, the power of that dish to ego is in its subversion. And it's weirdly like mirroring exactly the point of, of those parables of like how mm-hmm. the kingdom of God's subversive. And it's aimed at the heart, not at the head. And it's not there to perform for skeptics. It's there to melt hearts through remembering like how vulnerable and how loved and how like special that feels. Mm. Yeah. there. I, I love the whole <laughs> ego thing. So yeah, I, we know Yeah, <laughs> for multiple reasons. That's the beauty of it. I can, I can appreciate every, uh, every aspect of ego's life. <laughs> well, it's also interesting too. I was just thinking of this while you were talking. It, it's funny. Like, even just imagining or thinking about how he ended up as this critic and like, as, cause you, you don't get really any background on him except for that scene, but he, it's, he seemingly came from very humble beginnings and then, and like from a loving family and then like kind of worked his way up into this to be this like destroyer of in reputations. Paris. Right. Yeah. In Which is the a food. big food town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. So I feel like there's a lot that you can read into that too, which is really interesting. But yeah, I, I love just the way. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of like taking things seriously and having objective standards. So I like that part of ego, but then I also fall into, I know it's surprising (laughs) to everybody here and everybody who's listening to this podcast, Uh, but I also fall into, the same like pitfalls that he does of just like elevating himself over other people because of some like dumb thing that he thinks he knows more about. Maybe he know, does know more about it, but it's like, well, at the end of the day, it just like doesn't drumming. Really matter that much. Like what? <laughs> like drumming. Yeah. Yeah. Like drumming. I'm actually not that good of a drummer. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but I do appreciate it in a movie if it's done well. And I don't appreciate it if it's not done well. I will leave it at that. <laughs> That's <sighs> going on your gravestone. <laughs> I've decided. What? That's, that's a callback to another episode. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another podcast trick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're 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 professional now. We're We've been doing this right. for a year. I'm still salty about Sound of Metal. <laughs> for those of you wondering, go listen to the episode. You want to hear me and Tim argue? <laughs> um, but yeah, but the just his change, like the the change that comes on him, and even like just his humility like he does he's obviously not a humble guy but i also think a different version of ego would have like hidden that like maybe he would have had that experience but it would have been really easy for him to just like what am i feeling right now what the heck is this i don't really know i'm just i'm gonna burn this place to the ground either way like i just don't really understand what's happening but it must be some sort of trick and like whatever but the fact that he accepts that just shows that there's something inside of him that really does at the end of the day care about food. He just mm. was doing it in this wrong way. And he, he really does love food and he gets back to that pure love and that pure enjoyment at the end. And that transformation is mm. incredible. Uh, I love that. Cause I think there is a way of having those high standards, <laughs> but doing it in a way that's filled with love of like objective truth and things that are actually good without belittling other people. Well, cause it, it brings into focus, like, Ego didn't get to where he was because he had an acid tongue. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of acid tongue right. critics. Like, yeah. 
he got to where he was because he was talented. Mm-hmm. He got mm-hmm. to where he was because he had a very discerning palate in that such that people looked to him. Um, and I think he evolved to that place by that over-focus on himself. And so it is a call back to like when he loved food mm-hmm. and not just destroying mm-hmm. people and, and being so full of his power. Mm-hmm. He became intoxicated with his power. Yeah. It lost sight of, of the joy of loving something. <laughs> and he, he came to the point where he liked destroying things. Um, but I'm trying to decide because Ian, <laughs> if I'm ready to, to unleash my uh, yeah. Anson Ego as Nicodemus. Uh, oh, uh, wow. Because you have... I actually, I had a different uh, biblical reference that I was cooking up, but... No, this is good. We yeah, can so dual, dual go, in biblical yeah. references because yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of good directions. But Nicodemus was a Pharisee, right? And we see him, uh, I think, in John chapter 2 or 3, somewhere in there, um, where he's supposed to be against Jesus because he's a Pharisee, but he's somewhat drawn. And, like, Pharisees were gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. They were elitists and they were gatekeepers. And they, you know, using the law and, like, the the Jewish religion were there to enforce standards. And they were experts. And so ego kind of has that position in the culinary world of he's an enforcer of standards, an enforcer of culinary. He's a tastemaker. Um, and what we have, I mean, it's the core thing of what I find so beautiful <laughs> in this movie. It's this you know, um, Gusto saying of like anyone can cook and how ego misunderstood that. He hated that because he thinks, no, there's great skill, there's great talent and you mm. insult and demean the profession when you say anyone can do this. It's like saying anyone can be an all-star basketball player mm. or anyone can can paint, you know, some, you know, whatever painting. It's like an insult. And, but he misunderstands. Like what, what Gusto meant isn't that not everyone can do it. It does take unique talent. It does take hard work and dedication, honing your craft on top of that talent. But that that great skill can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the, 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 the reveal of Remy, it completely challenged his preconceived mm-hmm. notions. And so he still loved food. It didn't change his taste. It didn't change his ability to identify flavors and his ability to articulate his thoughts, his ability to, to evaluate. But it changed the, the, the bedrock ways of his orientation towards Gusto and towards that restaurant and towards even food was that it was the bastion of only the, the highest and most refined of people who, who kind of went through the most intense training and experience and whatever. And seeing a rat be able to accomplish that and impress him and bring him back, it, it fractured his foundation mm-hmm. and humbled him. And exactly what you're saying is, is true. A version of ego could have like been like shaken by that, but like, whoa, I can't yeah, threaten Yeah, kind of double yeah. down, yeah. But it's ever, see, I, I say that, that that's heart change. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a whole encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's an yeah. encounter where, because mm-hmm. that is absolutely an outcome. And the fact that ego didn't do that, or, you know, in this illustration, it shows like genuine heart. He actually was called back to it for he was he he woke up. He he it wasn't just a, a temporary thing. It was a fundamental inside out change. That's why I love at the end, ego. He gets fired. He yeah. like there's a cost to his change. Mm-hmm. He loses his station. He's yeah. ridiculed for writing that review and then having the restaurant shut down. He's fired. He's all that. And he is as happy as can be, just yeah. eating and drinking wine, He's enjoying the town. He's yeah. wearing a beret. Like, wow. He's yeah. eating dessert. I mean, yeah. and it's the picture of like what 
that transformed heart is where mm-hmm. you're not no longer ensnared in what other people think and then how where you fit in the pecking order and how you exert power over other people he's just enjoying life and like it's just sort of like Nicodemus being sort of this encounter with Jesus and, and you know being on the precipice you know of, yeah. of, of, of feeling that and a lot of those those similar things um, I don't know I, I see some similarities it, there it's interesting because Nicodemus is the one who has the the born again conversation yeah, with right. Jesus. Absolutely. And it's like Anton's like love of food is yeah. like reborn. Exactly. You know, that's an interesting See, connection. Aaron's getting it. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was yeah. thinking on the same thing. Yeah. I was just thinking of Paul. Like he has yeah. this very real experience. And then after that, he's, he's completely changed. And mm. he, yeah, like you were saying, he loses his station. Like he, he becomes the thing that he like disdained and looked down on. And, even tried to, it was like persecuting and tried to kill those people. But it was because he had this real desire to know what the truth was and real desire to find the truth. And I think you see the same thing in ego where it's just over time and you don't know exactly how he got there, but somehow through whatever his set of experiences, he got to this place where he did still, he was like seeking for truth, but he just like got off a little bit. And that gratitude just brings him back, and and that he is able to recognize that, and then to to fully like give into that. It's it's this picture of like ultimate freedom, mm-hmm. where he's able to give up all of his reputation. He's able to give up everything, like his job, his livelihood. Right. Because he he's found something so much better. It's like the parable of like the pearl and the. Mm-hmm and the treasure in the field, yeah. he's just, he's found something better. So it's like, he doesn't even yeah. care anymore because yeah. he know he realizes that all those things that he was doing and all those things were, that he was chasing, it's not that they were like completely wrong. It was just that it was just off. It was yeah. just a little bit off. Yeah. And so the freedom that he has after that is it, it's really well shown. Like, I think it's hard to, it's hard to make that not sappy and it's hard to show somebody who's happy in a way that is compelling. It's a lot easier to do it with like tragedy. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it really hits home. Cause he's depicted not just as like euphoric, happy, he's depicted as content. Yeah. Yeah. And he's depicted as, as like just free. Yeah. I think free is not self-aware. He's a guy who is so, Every step in that restaurant, yeah. he feels his own gravity mm-hmm. and he's working it against people. Yeah. But he's so self-aware and self-focused and how he loves how terrifying he is to kitchens. Mm-hmm. He revels in it. And then after this experience, he's like at the end when he's in the restaurant, he's unaware of himself. He's yeah. just loving food and he's loving where he is. And it's it's impress me. He's just, he's submitting to the chef. Mm-hmm. He's just saying, whatever you say is good, bring it my way. I'm here to eat up. And if that's not a picture of what yeah. a Christian is, the transformation from being so full of ourselves and so dialed in on our influence on others and their influence on us to being at a restaurant, being served with these wonderful things and being unaware of self and just saying, whatever you bring chef, I know it's going to be good. I'm just like, perfect ending. And then yeah. you layer on top of that, you have the rats there. We haven't even gotten into the, right. the, the things yeah. about bringing two kingdoms together. Um, and I love, 
kind of keeping on this this like gospel theme, but like you know, and not to brag to, to drag Nicodemus back into this, <laughs> but like for ego, who is literally the least likely chef to serve that meal, right? Mm-hmm. Just abandoning rationality, but like <laughs> a rat is like right. Yeah. They in the movie does a good job of showing yeah. rat in the kitchen. You stop everything, you kill it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the one thing you can't have in the kitchen. That can't poor, have uh, health inspector. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. That's <laughs> that guy is gonna need some some therapy. Yeah, seriously. But Just it's like yeah, job. <laughs> Remy is the the very depiction of the very like least likely. Mm-hmm carrier of that or the maker of that meal and from a pharisaical perspective the very least likely like savior would be Mm. some nobody from nazareth who didn't go through the you know the 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 training channels the education channels a carpenter someone who was unremarkable by by lineage um and completely ordinary like you're saying god in his plan to to say like no that is not what that guy's gonna look at it would be exactly the same way and it's in that unlikeliness that Mm. that the power is embedded because if the chef was some you know sleeping giant or so they smuggled some awesome you know chef from some country no one's heard of but the guy's like awesome right it's just like okay that makes sense i, well, I can absorb that son yeah, yeah so son, right exactly i can absorb that into my existing worldview and you know okay you got me on this one but i'll be right. back next week and i'll find something to nitpick it doesn't challenge my very right. nature my mm-hmm. very like worldview it takes that that upending. It mm-hmm. takes the rat. It takes yeah. this humble, you know, kind of coming in the form of a servant and not as a, you know, destroyer or as a enforcer. And so, it's just there's power in that. And the movie just does a beautiful job of showing the transformation, like of that power. Yeah, I love the way that it's depicted. Of like, well, first of all, just that he waits. I, yeah. That really strikes me that he's. He's like, I, I have to know who this is. And they have this, they're just like, uh, we can't, like, you can't meet him right now. You're going to have to wait. And, and he just says, okay, sure. Like, I'll wait. And so he just sits He's there. not happy about it. Yeah. He's put off. Mm-hmm. He's like, kind of like, you know who I am, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to make me wait. But then, but he does it. He yeah. just, he sits there. And so even then you see, like, he's already starting to change in this pursuit of truth. And then. Whenever he hears it, he just, he gets up and he just, or no, I guess he, he starts Thanks asking questions, shit, yeah. right? And he, then and they he, take him around yeah, the show Remy doing him. it. Yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. just, because he thought it was a trick. Right. He thought yeah. it was a gag, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like which would have been kind of funny. Yeah. It makes sense that you yeah. would think that. Um, yeah. And I kind of like that the movie does that too. That, yeah. I mean, cause if he was just like, oh, it's this rat. It's like, well, that would, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And so, yeah, I like that they have him like. Prove it. Remy yeah. uh, shows it and he makes it and he's watching and everything. But then he just, he like thanks them and then he leaves. And I like that too, just that he doesn't just automatically or right then, he doesn't just shift into this like euphoria, like mm-hmm. you're saying. It's this, it is this contemplative worldview that is shifting inside of him. And so it's not just this feeling, like he, he experienced the feeling, but then after that, he really does think about and he really hones uh, like what happened to him and his idea of what happened to him. And I think the 
fact that he has to write the review helps him do that because he, he has to think about what he wants to say. But it really does show that it's like, yeah, it's the experience, but then it's him being willing to be changed by that experience and to, to like shape himself around that experience. And yeah, I just, I love the way that all of that. And it's so self-critical. Yeah. It it, it shook. He even says it in his review, like it it shook me to my very core. Yeah. Um, and shout out to Peter O'Toole, by the way, the the voice acting and the way, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, he just came out and like dropped like 30 points in like five minutes and walked off the court. (laughs) Like it was amazing, but he's saying in a very self-deprecating way, which is not Antonigo's way that like uh, the critic has to like own up to the fact (laughs) that at least the crappy chef who makes a crappy meal yeah. mm-hmm. has more value than the piece of criticism designating it as such. Mm-hmm. And that you're actually not doing anything. If all you're doing is tearing stuff down, yeah. at least people are out there trying. At least they're trying to build something. At least they're trying to make something. At least they're putting, they're risking something. Critics don't risk anything. Mm-hmm. And especially if they, they want the, you know, that, that echo chamber, they want the applause right. of fellow critics so that it incentivizes them, which I think is very prevalent mm-hmm. for today. <laughs> and he's saying basically like, it's almost a confession. Mm-hmm. This is realization that like he, it's so fun. He says it's fun to write. Right. But if we're really it's honest with ourselves, it's fun to read. It's fun to write and it's fun to read. Yeah. But if you're really going to be honest, we're contributing less than the person who, even there's a mm. fancier way of saying it, that again, that single tear <laughs> that comes down yeah. every time. Um, but then he does, but it's not just that realization. It's again, <laughs> the Christian themes. It's what's repentance. It's, it's walking back the wrong path, but turning towards the right. Mm. And so embedded in that thing is this positive vision of what a critic can be and it's the defense of what's new and vulnerable and it's it's using your influence using it to identify like all those talents he has rather than just destroy 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 train them on on what's good and beautiful and right nurture it shield it allow it to grow and then like a critic is actually contributing something there is a place for criticism Mm -hmm, it's like what you're saying and like there should be a place for critic like and when it's when it's tied to ego and when it's tied to like negativity, you lose your moorings and it becomes sport. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a healthy, positive role for criticism. And that's another little mini thread throughout this, but it's, yeah. it's a positive picture for it. Cause if everything good is like yeah. pointing us towards God, then like the better that, or the, the more that we can act, interact with things that are better, it's like, it yeah. can point us to God more in these different yeah. ways. And it's like living in this way that is, is closer to heaven essentially. Yeah. Well, C.S. Lewis was essentially, I mean, his main thing was, was book criticism. Mm-hmm. Like he was a professor, yeah. but he really was passionate about criticizing mm-hmm. like in a way that was about loving writing and then ultimately as a reflection of God. But mm-hmm. yeah, there is like a way to do things better and to be able to constructively point out things. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love that part that you were talking about where he, he's kind of admitting like the critic doesn't risk anything and a critic really adds very little, but then he has this line where he says, except for in the defense of the new, that's the only time that a critic has to risk something is, is if he's Mm -hmm. kind of putting his reputation on the line 
uh, kind of defending something that other people might not like, or they, it doesn't have, it's not going to be a home run. It's, they don't, right. you don't know if it's going to be something that is really going to take off. That's the only time a critic is actually risking something is whenever they're putting their weight behind something that's right. unknown. Right. And so, yeah, just that he, he's willing to do that is, yeah, is, is really good. And I, it made me think of, um, I was on a plane one time and they had like master classes, you know, those, the master class things. And one of them was Malcolm Gladwell. And I actually, the reason I watched it was because, uh, I think you, Aaron, at some point we were talking about one of his books and then you were saying something about how he's just like, a really unique guy, like the way that he talks and everything is super unique. And I had never seen him talk. So I was kind of curious and I think it was about literary criticism or it was about like how to write or something like that. Um, but he, he had one in there where he was talking about, there's this one critic that he really likes and he said, it's because everything that he writes about this critic was, he just makes you see, he makes you enjoy it. Like he makes you see why you would like it. And he kind of says the same thing that ego did of like, anybody can hate on anything basically. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just not that hard, but to be able to get people to enjoy something that they might not have and be able to uh, like interact with something that they, in a way that they might not have, that would bring them, you know, I mean, bring them joy or like help them to see truth or even to like, help people to look at God in a different way or to see true beauty. Like that's a, that's something that's worth doing. Um, and I feel like it, that, that I also felt a little convicted by that. (laughs) Shoot. I do a lot of, uh, love the, the first type of criticism and it was, I mean, it was good. It was convicting to me. And, and I think that's part of why I love that this monologue too, or the column that he writes in this, because I think that that is very true that there are things that are worth denouncing, but a lot of things we could do a better job of seeing, using a discerning eye to see the good things and then, you know, building those things up and growing those Old Ant and Ego would definitely criticize the drumming and the sound of metal. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Maybe, new Ant and Ego. Maybe transformed Ant and Ego would just love the movie. He might. He, he would. He might. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was actually thinking about that movie the other day. It's <laughs> like... The, the last scene of that this movie This is my is, ulterior motive, actually. Yeah. I was giving you a year, <laughs> a year of acting like Ant and Ego, and then we're going to do this episode, and then the we're going to track, oh, yeah, we're gonna track Ian's heart change over the next year. I'm just going to run away. Yeah. <laughs> the last scene of that movie is really good. Yes. <laughs> it reminds me of the... Uh, the Muppets, they have those two old, <laughs> old guys who are critics. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Strad- uh, Stadler and Waldorf. Yeah. And uh, I forget which Muppet movie it is, but at the end of one of them, they, they pop up and they're like, hey, look, it's my favorite part. And the other one's like, the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's your future, Ian, yeah, if, you don't, yeah. if you don't turn around. I need to go eat some ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> you need some perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'll just start ordering perspective Fresh, whenever, uh, whenever perspective. I go into a restaurant. <laughs> I was going to ask if you've yeah. ever done that. They're like, sir, this is a chili. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. We can get you some margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. Just the the way of looking at criticism in that mm-hmm. light. Tim looks like he doesn't believe me. 
No, um, you know, I, I already explained. I mean, you think I was joking, but I meant every word that I said earlier. We're going to track. I was deciding whether we wanted to take on another theme, if, if there was enough energy. Yeah, I'm good to go. Is there one that you want, or should I just... No, I mean, if, if you've got pile some, yeah, you can... Peel yeah, one I'm off sure, my, sure my list of greatest. Some, yeah. Thing. yeah. One of the things I... And again, it's not necessarily a new theme, um, but I think it's done well in this film, is how Remy is this figure that's caught between two worlds. And so on one hand, he's part of a pretty close-knit rat community, the family. They're very uh, highly coordinated. Um, it's a lot of love. You know, like he has some differences with his dad, but, you know, the, it's a loving, you know, kind of community that's very focused on what they see as, as their goals in life. And then you have this depiction of the kitchen and, and cooking and, and all that, you know, kind of the kitchen community with humans. Uh, and Remy has the heart of a cook and he feels drawn to the kitchen, but is a rat and, and feels a certain amount of loyalty and a certain amount of draw. And being this figure caught between both worlds, he's misunderstood by his rat family, but mm -hmm. then he's also seen as a pest <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and just outright rejected um, by every human except for Linguini. Um, I just think it's a... Uh, you know, maybe that's just setting it up. Um, I certainly have thoughts and applications, <laughs> as you might imagine. But, um, yeah, w what do you make of, of that depiction of, of Remy being caught between both worlds? Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, the way that you see them interact, um, like you just see the pressures from his family, and then you see him kind of cave in these different ways where he's like, First, he lets a meal into the into the restaurant, and then and then he like starts taking more of them in because he kind of feels these pressures. That he feels like he has to. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have any like bigger thoughts on that. I just thought I thought it was interesting of that. I, I think that's just one of those other things in this movie that feels very human. Of like, it's just easy to get stuck in situations you don't want to be in because you started saying yes because like you felt like you had to, you felt like you had these obligations and you don't really know how to get out of them. And so you're kind of trying to do the right thing, but you're just, there's just these tensions or it's mm -hmm. like, you're trying to walk this fine line. And I, I feel like that's really relatable in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of an undeveloped thought. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting thinking about that from a Christian perspective, because there is, there is this way that we believe that we are made for more. We are made for this kind of like elevated existence. And um, the way scripture talks about these two kingdoms where it's like, there's one where it's like, you're just comfortable kind of existing in like the, in like less, mm -hmm. even though you're made for more, you can just kind of accept living a lesser existence and, but then there's also a way that like you have to in faith believe the already not yet, that you are right. accepted and made to be part of this kind of elevated existence, even though like you, you still in a lot of ways aren't completely transformed. You're, you're not totally new. And so in one way you can feel like an imposter. You can feel like I don't really belong. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, 
And I think in the movie, like Remy, he never loses that belief that he is like, he is made for more. He is made to enjoy food and to, you know, he's, he washes his hands with a little water bubble. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Handling food. Yeah. Not, yeah. It was just like stand upright or yeah. don't walk on all fours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, why do you walk weird? Yeah. <laughs> and meal is probably, yeah. <laughs> Dad's not going to like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a great brother yeah. comment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it is, there is a challenge of kind of existing between two kingdoms. And yeah. I think R- Remy, gives a picture of, of the way that we are meant to in faith accept this new identity and this, this new um, uh, kind of sense of or idea of like, this is what I'm made for. And even though I'm, I might be a rat who lives with a bunch of other rats who just like eating garbage, like I can't exist in this mm-hmm. kitchen world. And um, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, no, I, I, think similarly to what, what you're saying, Aaron, and I do think in, in a lot of ways it's the call of a Christian, um, is we need to embrace being misunderstood, and I think that's what Remy is navigating, um, and there's, a like, I don't know, however many months ago, but when we did CODA, I was saying how much I appreciated that film because of its depiction of family and how it's not just this setup of the family holding back the protagonist Mm -hmm. from their dreams and the guilt the protagonist feels and ultimately they have to like cut the ties in order or the family comes around and it's just about elevating the individual. Um, And and Ratatouille, I appreciate for for similar reasons and that even the ultimate resolution isn't just dad finally realizes what a great, you know, chef Remy is or anything like Remy still absorbed, you know, when push comes to shove, the humans left (laughs) and the rats backed him up. Right. uh, And his family was there and they didn't even need to understand. Mm -hmm. And it was just Mm -hmm. like, they never abandoned him and Mm -hmm. he was there. Um, But it's like Remy's not fully understood by the rats and he's not fully understood by the humans. And he's in between. And, there's a certain alienation and, and loneliness that comes with that, but there's a certain, like, that's the space, you know, using this Christian language of, like, called to. But, you know, it's invisible in Ratatouille, but if you extend it a little, like, how did Remy be able to be able to cook? And understanding it's fantasy right. and ridiculous and, and all this, but, like, it's almost like this implied, like, he didn't go to some culinary school. He just is born with this, like, genius cooking time. Rat school. Rat school. <laughs> You know, and it is like, you know, it's, again, not intended in the film, and I'm not trying to suggest it is, but if you kind of open your mind a little, there is this almost divine blessing or this divine deposit of this talent, and I think this ability to do what he does, and and it would be, in a sense, wasting it to just live this life of just, you know, smelling for poison, Right. (laughs) right? But he's also made to be a rat, too, you know, and so... As Remy's identity, if he takes on the identity as cook, then he's called to the kitchen. He tries to forget or, or outrun his rat past, and he's just this weird, not quite human, but, you know. And if he's tried to, if he makes his main identity his rat identity, then he's leaving the cooking stuff behind mm-hmm. and is just there to, to serve his family, which is, there's, that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but 
in this way of seeing it, it's like his equipping and calling is to this in-between spot. And I think as Christians, we're from this heavenly realm. And so we, we have different motives and we have different ideas of success and failure and what it is to the point of, of living, which is to, to glorify God. But we're also called to love our city. We're called to love our mm-hmm. culture. We're called to be ambassadors. We're, we're called to build bridges and not just like the rats distrusted the humans because the Trumans try to kill the rats and there's right. a lot of animosity and then the rats try to, or the humans try to kill the rats. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. there's a lot of animosity between the two kingdoms. Um, and yet Remy is this, this bridge, this, this, you know, um, and I do, I think that there's, you know, you can extend it to, you know, groups of people, you know, who, who I think even as Christians, um, Nowadays, right, like, like politics, right? Like if one side's the Republicans and one side's the Democrats, like Christians aren't meant to be at home mm-hmm. in either one. Like they're meant to be kind of bridging in the middle in, in various ways or, you know, all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. It was just like we're, we're not, that alienation and that feeling of, of not quite being understood and not quite being accepted, <laughs> it requires being very grounded in, in, for a Christian of who God says I am, not who other people look at mm-hmm. me and say that I am, but who God says I am. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, <clears throat> a lot of that is grounded in relationship, like, even mm-hmm. in the movie it is. Like, I was thinking, there's kind of this theme of trust that's in there. Like, you have, because you have Remy and Laguini, and they always have this very unique <laughs> relationship where they both need each other. Um, but then you see the trust starts to get broken in different ways mm-hmm. at different parts of the movie. And it really, it, it, one, it doesn't let them like operate the way that both of them want to operate, but two, it just, it just fractures the, the relationship. And so it makes them like, not as, uh, like kind of secure as you're talking mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. Like, and, and so you have that, but then you also have like this, the trust between Remy and his family and you have like different dynamics there. And then you have uh, Linguini and Colette and you have like that trust. And then it's, and then you have like the trust between Linguini and the rest of the kitchen. And you see that gets completely broken. Like, I think that's, that was a really interesting choice to me was that all of the chefs leave mm-hmm. whenever they see Remy. They don't, they like aren't even willing to like stick around and see. They're the Pharisees who aren't Nicodemus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They're like, they're just, they're not, they're yeah. not like they don't after, want their foundation to be shaken. Right. right? They're not open yeah. to that. They're yeah. not after real truth at the right. end of the day. They, they, yeah, they have their worldview and they don't want it to change. And so like, they're not willing to trust. Um, but yeah, it does come down to like, if we trust God, then we can act in a certain way. And then there's like all this other, these, there's these other like human relationships where we're like building trust and we can build like those bridges, I guess. Cause mm-hmm. those have to be at the end of the day, those have to be human relationships. Like those bridges that you're talking about and kind of standing in between things, those are going to end up being human relationships and so, like, because we trust God, we can put ourselves out there to build those because it can. it's hard to trust people because uh, you just get burned sometimes, like he does by the whole kitchen staff. And the only reason that they can operate at all is because of the rats, because the family comes in, because, like, the dad's like, well, this isn't really, like, I can't remember what he says, but he's like, if this is what you want to do, we're going to help you. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. essentially, um, because he he trusts Remy. Like he's like mm-hmm. trusting him with their whole because that, that's dangerous. I mean, that's a dangerous thing for mm-hmm. rats to do. Like if anybody came in and found them, probably would not go very well for them. And so I I don't know I. I I liked what you were saying, Tim, and I was thinking about that while I was watching the movie. It just there's these themes of of trust and relationships, and I think all of that gets, uh, yeah. I think there's just a lot of parallels there too, spiritually. I think in that epic COVID Facebook <laughs> thread, I had a whole building out of the analogy of like the Jews and Gentiles being in different camps and how this Christ figure and then Remy, you know, kind of erases or, you know, there's yeah. brings both in and certainly some turned away on, on both sides. Um, and the, the, the depiction of the restaurant at the end where it's like one mm-hmm. restaurant and, you know, you run into some problems with the, the, the segregated seating. I'll acknowledge right. that. <laughs> yeah. um, but apart from that, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was like this kingdom of heaven yeah. picture there at the end. <laughs> Reconciling all things through the goodness of good food. All rats. That's what I'm trying to do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, anything else? or I feel like I could go for another hour on yeah. Ego. Yeah, <laughs> there is. A, I mean, we haven't even really talked about Gusto like really yeah. at all, but he kind of pops in and he... He's like the, he's kind of the catalyst for a lot of this movie and just a lot of the Holy Spirit things that he says. (laughs) Yeah. 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 There's times where, um, Remy wants to deviate from the path and Gusto Gusto is always there to keep him going. And keeps him focused on the, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it is, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no. I know, that's what I was, I was was trying to decide if I wanted to, like, launch into that. I need, like, the the poison smeller, like, to say, like, don't, don't bite that cheese. Like, no. Yeah, yeah, just, there, there's a lot of good stuff. I like a lot of what he says, like, he has some, some, some one-liners that he kind of comes and throws in, and it's a lot of worldview stuff. Yeah, I I mean it, (laughs) I'm almost ashamed to say this, but, like, Gusto's thing of, of, you know, a good cook can come from anywhere and like what that really means, not what it seems on the surface. Like that sentiment, like I carry with me, <laughs> like this movie, like that lodged and like I carry it with me. Um, like such that, right, like at our church last Sunday, we had like a, a third grade girl come up and, and mm-hmm. share from her heart and Mm-hmm. I would put that up against like it doesn't matter that she's young. It doesn't matter that she's a child. Like you know, from our perspective, she is a she has the Holy Spirit. She has access to the same God, and it doesn't you know. It's almost like that ratatouille thing. It didn't mm-hmm. have to be fancy. Where it didn't have mm-hmm. to be. And no. knowledge is good, and, and we're blessed by those things. But truth is truth, and mm-hmm. it can come from anywhere. It, can, it doesn't matter. You know, all those kind of things and. Like we, I think by God's grace, like we endeavor to pursue that and, and model mm-hmm. that and, and allow room for that mm-hmm. in the way that Anton Ego, <laughs> you know, it's just like, like we try to protect that. And, and I think that I've carried that with me. And, and I think that the ego speech about like criticism and trying to be more about building up and protecting what is good than to indulge in the fun 
of mocking <laughs> and tearing down and enjoying that. And I indulge a certain amount of Aggie uh, ridicule, yeah, especially during say, football season. Should, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm human. Movie again, Tim. I am, but human. Okay, well, that's just protecting the good, <laughs> yeah. which is the Longhorns. That's right. I, I I will readily acknowledge I am human, but for the most part, I've always. I think this movie really helps solidify a conviction in me of I would rather be known by what I'm for and what I'm building mm. than being known as someone for what I'm against and what I'm trying to tear down. And I'm not saying it's just this movie or just that speech, mm. but in a lot of ways like that helped crystallize or, or helped just sort of forge it. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's it feels a little cheapish to admit that, but like <laughs> this movie really has like... I carry things with me from it to this, like, to this day. Is that why you started cooking, too, after watching this movie? <laughs> it is funny. Like, right around 07, 08, like, mm. I was always, like, a functional cook. Mm -hmm. And it was because I, I got married in 07, and it was a little after I got married that I started mm. taking mm. an interest in, like, the, the gourmet or the, mm. like, and really started reading and practicing and mm. kind of developing my skills to where they are today. But so maybe in a roundabout mm. way, I mm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it was just the trailer. Maybe you saw the trailer. <laughs> like, that rat can cook. <laughs> Surely I can do it. <laughs> but then what if you can't? Then that's devastating. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> High stakes. High stakes. High right. stakes. All right. What do we want to rate on? Pieces of trash. Pieces of trash. That's, that hurts you. You got to lift your taste above that. You got to resist. Yeah. Aim higher. Uh, you could do shotgun blasts. Speaking of aiming high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the lady's shooting through the roof. Yeah, I love how she's just like totally okay with destroying just her entire home. Blasting her yeah. home. The, the one, I was saying how it doesn't feel 16 years old. The one scene during that shotgun blast when... They're running away, and then they see like the the romantic couple like arguing oh, yeah. with the gun, and yeah. then they share the shots, oh, and yeah. they come back, and then they're yeah. kissing. Yeah, that feels just a little like I, I don't think like, that makes uh, the cut yeah. today. Yeah, <laughs> that was a little too. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way. I was yeah. like, oh, that's a little uh, awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't know about that. Which they're credited. I I saw them in the um oh. the credits. It says like fighting couple or something. I saw, okay, that makes sense because I was looking through the the cast right before this just on Google and there was somebody credited as abusive girlfriend. Yes. And I was like, that's, that's what? I, I yeah. could not remember what it was, but it was that. Yes. Yeah, okay. I was watching the credits and I saw that and I was like, what? I had the same. That makes sense. Okay. I was like, what? And yeah. then I remembered, I was like, oh, it's that. I was like, wow. Did it say abusive boyfriend too? Or did they? Like, I don't remember. She was Man. clearly the initiator. Yeah. I mean, didn't yeah. he have the gun? <laughs> I feel like this is kind of a weird. Uh, well, he weird, didn't end up with the gun. Weird yeah. stance. Yeah. I'm, not, yeah. to I'm not touching this. It's yeah, the, I don't know. It's the French. It seems pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how, about, how about murderous thumbs? Yeah. yeah. From, oh, is yeah, it horse good, or whatever? Yeah, the the yeah, mysterious. Yeah. That's a yeah. Killer thumbs. That's right. Killer thumbs. Killer thumbs. Uh, I'm going to give it in <laughs> to show how much I've really changed. I'm ready. <laughs> over the I'm ready years. to pounce. I I'm going to give it five okay. killer thumbs because I appreciate 
All the good things about this What did movie. you just flash back to? Like <laughs> yeah. SpaghettiOs or something? <laughs> yeah. Bowl of cornflakes. Bowl of cornflakes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually it was, uh, meatballs and rice as well. Like whenever you were talking about your food, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it was, that's, I guess that's where yeah. it all started. Yeah. yeah. Any sauce or? Uh, yeah, well, it was like the meatballs where this, it was like this, like ketchup sauce. Hmm. <laughs> kind of like a deconstructed meatloaf. Yeah, kind of. That's what I say there. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I'm trying I to elevate it. You know? yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like hearing your childhood dishes so I can like surprise you with like an elevated version. Oh, man. Oh, if you elevate the meat wow. patty with gravy, that would... I, I don't know that I can do much with ketchup sauce. <laughs> well, it wasn't just ketchup. It, I don't... I've never made it, so I don't know. I know it had... Were the, they homemade the only, meatballs? Yeah, homemade okay. meatballs. The only okay. two things I know were in the sauce were ketchup, ketchup and brown sugar. And water. I don't know what else was in the sauce. I could ask my mom. <laughs> All right, Mom, I'm, if I'm you're taking mental notes. Send it to Tim. All right, send I'm the taking, recipe I'm to Tim. Mental Mom. Notes. We'll do <laughs> I'm this. Up to try it. But yeah, anyways, I yeah, I give it five. I, I don't know if I would, except for the monologue. I really like Gusteau. I like a lot of the stuff that he says and the monologue. Like the character of ego. Like I said, I love all of ego for different reasons. <laughs> I think for one reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I love like his conversion moment is so well done. And I, I can't, I'm sure there are good depictions of it, but off the top of my head, I feel like in a movie, I can't think of another like more compelling. Are you not going to say Miz and Jean Valjean? <laughs> well, I mean, I always could, yeah. but you know, you'll have to wait for the recommendations. <laughs> for that. They're tied for first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll give it a five. <laughs> That was a book first, though, so it's hard to... No one read the book, though, except for you. <laughs> I've read the book. <laughs> uh, for me, <clears throat> it's an easy uh, five killer thumbs. Is that what we... Yeah. Forgot. yeah, five killer thumbs. <laughs> I'm just imagining one hand. Yeah. <laughs> five, five, all thumbs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> oh, what I meant. <laughs> all thumbs. <laughs> um... Yeah, I just like I like I said at the beginning, like this is just a great movie. Like I can't even call it like a kids movie in my mind. It's just it's so well done. Like I hadn't thought about it, um, but when you're describing the way that they're animating it to look like a camera moving in different mm -hmm. shots, like um, it's just well done technically. It's it's well done. Uh, the voice acting, like you said, Peter O'Toole, um, so many great, I don't know who Lou, is that Ray Romano's brother, Lou Romano, <laughs> Linguini, um, whoever he is, I love his laugh, like something about his laugh gets me every, it just like tickles me, like Janine Garofalo, Will Arnett, his horse, yeah. like, um, I like like every aspect of this movie and um, I think it's all well done. So it's to me, it's an easy five killer thumbs. Fun fact, the, the voice actor who did Emil mm. was just, uh, I don't know if he was an animator, but he, he was someone, not an actor on set. And Brad Bird was just like his mental picture of Emil. Yeah. He just sounded naturally just like him. And so he like made him the voice I of Emil. I looked him up because I liked yeah. the voice and I thought he, I don't remember who I thought he sounded like now. 
Yeah. But I, that makes sense because I didn't recognize the name at all. Yeah. I was like, he must be some career yeah, voice he was actor, just, but yeah, I no, didn't know that. I think he is not an actor. He just wow. happened to, I don't <laughs> think he was acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was actually just yeah. eating trash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, look at this guy. He's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> they were just giving him some trash and telling him picking, to talk about it. Picking and clearance. Yeah. It was on top of the trash. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I mean, you know my answer. Uh, it's an easy five for me. Um, probably a top 10 movie all time for me. Wow. If I ever got around to listening them all out. It's just, I love to cook. I, I mean, it's just Pixar at its best, you know, yeah. it's, I think even sure. to this day is one of the more regarded uh, Pixar movies and, and bridging that line between like something adults can appreciate, but kids are entertained by. Um, I marvel at what they can pull off with a movie that's about a rat that can cook by standing on a guy's head. And it sounds <laughs> dumb if you yeah. explain yeah. it. Right. And the fact that you can somehow see past that ridiculousness to, I mean, we spent an hour talking about, <laughs> you know, the conversion of a food critic through a rat cooking a meal for him, transporting him back to his childhood. I mean, it's yeah. It insane. should bother us. Like, it right. doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Like, right. your hair does not control yeah. you. Like, yeah. It, it, it's fine. It doesn't bother And me. I think that speaks to the genius of this movie. It just, it's a tightrope to, to be able to navigate that in exchange like some like hyper realism in some weird yeah. spots around the cooking and, and some of the the nuances of that with and it's just it's a love letter to cooking <laughs> that yeah. i just it speaks to my i just all the small thing i mean think of like one of your hobbies and if you saw a movie that mm -hmm. just nailed all the tiny intricacies of it yeah. it's just you know so yeah i don't know i feel like i've explained <laughs> so i don't need to rehash it but yeah We'll have to do a movie I don't give a five to because I've been on a... Yeah, that's what I feel like, like, like yeah. I feel like, yeah. I don't think I'm going to give a five to our next movie. I'll just say that. <laughs> just on principle. Yeah, just... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I already watched it, so... But it was good. Well, I don't need to start talking about it. <laughs> we just rolled into the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you why it's good. Uh, you're going to have to tell me what it is once we stop recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's called a teaser. That's right. <laughs> That's a pro doing yeah. pro's work right yeah. there. All right, Ian. Thrill us yep. with a non-lay-miz recommendation. Yeah, not lay miz um, But there is. He's like scribbling on his <laughs> yeah. <thing>. yeah, frantically. <laughs> just, <laughs> you could definitely make some lay uh I had a couple actually for this one. Well, the, the first one actually is uh, Whiplash. Wow. Yep. Were you just trying to suck up to me? Because you just took <laughs> yeah. two of my favorite things and put them I mean, in the same yeah. sentence. Yeah, I mean, Whiplash is, is amazing. But the reason that I picked it is because it Did is... Did you watch your version of Ratatouille, the, the adult version? <laughs> the adult version. <laughs> that, man, that's... Anyways, um, <laughs> not no, that. no, I did not. I'm just going to clearly answer that question. First of all, okay, I'm just trying to, okay, I'm and, listening. And second I'm going to stop all, talking. Yeah. No, cause well, cause I, I feel like this movie has a lot to say about passion and about like a true love of something for what it is just in of itself. And you see different aspects of that. Like you see that in Remy and we didn't really talk about this, but even like the, the reason that the rats have to leave 
is because of he he like can't help himself from breaking in to the old woman's house and doing all the cooking stuff. So there are like there are upsides to his passion, but they're also like whenever it's not honed correctly, it is hurtful in some ways. Um, and a passion uh, there in Whiplash, there's somebody who is very passionate about music and it is hurtful in a lot of ways. <laughs> and so it's an interesting, uh, it's almost like an unrepentant, uh, ego. Like I was going to say, I, I would read the article that's yeah. depicts ego as like his midlife, uh, as Fletcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think there's, yeah, there's like the, read that the passion aspect of it. <laughs> well, lucky for you, Tim, uh, yeah. I've written it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I, I think it's like this different aspect of, of like a passion, but it kind of in a taken in a darker way or like maybe without the redemption moment. Um, but then still, obviously there's some beauty in it because there is this search for truth, but it gets a little bit more murky on whether it's worth it or not. So anyways, that, I mean, it's just a great movie. Everybody I was skeptical, but you won me yeah. over. I didn't think you could do it, man. Wow. But you did it. I would differ. I, I do think there might be a redemption moment for Fletcher, but hmm. we'll that'd save be that interesting. for the future. Yeah, we should have, yeah. I'll stick out my ground there. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm trying to, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> The second one, I'm just going to go with what I had before. Uh, Blame is. Okay, next. Yeah, is. You got me. Uh, no. It's the FBI thing all over again. It's, it's the, wait, what? Just that Michael Scott. The guns. Oh, the guns. yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a good it's a good bit. I'm going to uh, actually do that one time. I haven't, I don't think, it, did I ever recommend Les Mis? Yes. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I just, I, I don't know how this started, but I don't think. We need think, Parker to keep a log. I've done yeah, it like but, 20 wow. times. No, I don't I think, can't believe you're doing this right I now. I don't think that's true. Wow. Uh, anyways, no, my second one is just the bear because... It's just a really well, it's a show, but it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, the episodes aren't that long. So if you watch the whole thing, I think it would be like a four hour movie. So it's kind of like a really long movie, but it just captures like the kitchen vibe mm-hmm. and energy really well. And it has some other, uh, like kind of like this, it's, it just has other stuff going on and it uses the kitchen as a foil for that. So that's fun. And you use mm-hmm. foil in the kitchen. So <laughs> Just a little, right, just a little, just a little <laughs> wordplay for you there. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> All right, those those are my two. We've sunk to puns. Yeah. It's, it's that or, part of the podcast, or risen, or risen. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Um, if you like Anton's, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The whole time I was thinking, what if Anton Chigurh was the... <laughs> oh, now shoot. we're talking. Man, that would be a... If he comes in an artist's perspective, <laughs> you better. Yeah. You're in trouble. Why didn't they feed him ratatouille? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what they should have done. That, maybe that would have stopped him. Especially if he's carrying an air tank. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really got to be careful, man. Careful I don't think he's refilling the soda him. machines. Yeah. Yeah. I love to see like, the gas station attendant just bring out a bowl of ratatouille. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he like flips the coin, he's yeah. like catches it, and brings out a boil ratatouille. He flashes back to when he killed a <laughs> <the> small animal. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, and he just kills him. 
<laughs> He's like, I do love doing this. <laughs> yeah, you, that's reminded me. <laughs> you reminded me. I was just doing it for money. <laughs> yeah. but I had a love of the game <laughs> once upon a time. <laughs> I would watch that movie. Yeah. Wow. No, my real recommendation <laughs> is... Um, I, I don't think this is a hot take, like thinking of like chefs or cooks as like artists, um, but they are, they're my favorite artists. And I think, um, especially out of like people that I know, they're my, they're my favorite, like creative type of people to, to like hang out with. Um, they're just like out of creative types, you know, they can be kind of just different out there. The, to me, they're the most creative, but also like grounded hmm. and just kind of like real. And you can talk to them and have a conversation generally. Um, I don't even know why I was saying that. Cause it doesn't really go with my, <laughs> my recommendation is another food movie about a chef. Um, kind of a similar theme of, of rediscovering, your love of something or helping other people rediscover and it's a pig. Oh, Oh wow, man. I haven't thought about that movie in a while. I love that movie. Wow. Dang. We'll, we will do that one. Yeah, day we podcast. should. Man, I, I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Uh, one of my favorites. So man. yeah, that's like, that's a it's good definitely one. worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. And about the love in a man and his pet. That's right. <laughs> man and his animal. Yeah. It's kind of like a rat. It's like yeah. a giant rat. <laughs> Great noses. Yep. <laughs> I usually don't like like food movies and shows. Um, everyone thinks I do because mm-hmm. I like to cook. Um, and honestly, the more that comes out, the more hardened I am. <laughs> so everyone's like those David Chang ones or this oh, Netflix yeah. show or that mm, Netflix yeah. show or Salt, Heat, whatever. All these yeah. ones. And I try. And I just I find I'm yeah. too pretentious. I, I yeah. just... It's like, I get what they're saying, but it's kind of the pendulum swung too far. Yeah. And now it's like, sometimes you can just eat the dang thing. You right. don't have to yeah. connect it's it. To, it's just, yeah. you know, we've mm. gotten too pretentious. Yeah. yeah. And so with that as my background, um, and this honestly, honest to goodness, like no exaggeration, I like got into multiple like honest to goodness, like disputes with my wife over this movie, <laughs> uh, The Menu. Okay. I love that movie yeah. because it's skewering exactly the yeah. thing I don't like in food. Um, you have Ray Fiennes, which is like already, like we talked about with uh, yeah. uh, with Imbruges. Mm. Like I, I just I love that that experience, <laughs> but it really it's like an unhinged <laughs> like Anson ego as a chef yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but like. It really is skewering like elitism and pretentiousness mm. within food. And there's at least one character who's like this embodiment of that. Uh, <laughs> it's to me like a, a great reflection of satire. It's brutal in some parts. Mm. It's not always the easiest watch, especially if you, you know, are sensitive to those kinds of things. But as a scathing kind of takedown of what I would say is something that's ripe for that kind of takedown, mm-hmm. I just enjoyed <laughs> every stinking second of that movie. 
That um, was that was the one that I was thinking about yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. I also was gonna highlight. I, I would co-sign uh, the Bear. I, I love that show. Um, it's on Hulu if you're looking for it. I didn't think of Pig, and I wish I had because yeah, I, I think it's I a fantastic recommendation that's, that too. Because really that shows it's again that a love of of anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's about it. So. Stay tuned next week till we discuss some movie that Ian will not give five stars to. <laughs> I know you're wondering. Yeah. I know you're all wondering. <laughs> Aaron, most of all. Yeah. <laughs> what will I give it? What oh. are we watching, yeah. guys? <laughs> Someone please tell me. <laughs> well, if that's not a tease, I don't know what it is. So we'll see you next time. Yep. You're flipping through the channels late at night.